A&M's 41-38 win over the Alabama Crimson Tide late night in College Station. The Aggies get the job done on a 28-yard field goal by Seth Small as time expired at Kyle Field. So much to talk about. We'll allow everyone an opportunity to get in here. Gilbert's checking in. I know for a lot of you folks, this one's tough, but consider this maybe an opportunity to uh, to relieve yourselves of some of the some of the stress following that one. Alabama had so many chances in this football game, and it was a game in which, in a lot of ways, Ben, how you doing, Alyssa? Alyssa, very clear on her sentiments to get things going. Michael, not too far behind her, it appears. But it was a game in which, once again, you look at it statistically, it was one of the games in which if you're a stats are for losers person, you certainly have the information to back you up in that sentiment. And if maybe you're an analytics proponent and you say, look, there are certain stats you can look at, and typically if a team is on the wrong end of those, They're going to lose the football game, especially in a one-possession game like this one. Alabama with 522 total yards, A&M with 379. Alabama ran 82 plays in the game compared to just 58 for the Texas A&M Aggies, and especially one-sided when you talk about the second half. Well, except for the last couple of series, right? For Texas A&M. When it mattered the most, A&M was able to get the job done offensively. Gives that Calzada a lot of credit. Guy who's been beleaguered to this point after stepping in for an injured Haynes King. Guy made the plays. And I thought Jimbo Fisher stayed aggressive. You know, there was a stretch even on that final drive for A&M that I thought maybe he would let the foot off the gas a little bit. A lot of times you see college coaches, coaches in general, Once they get to about the 30, they say, well, we'll just kind of get in the middle of the field here, put it on the foot of the kicker from 45, 48, 50 yards out. Jimbo didn't do that. Kept pressing the issue, got a big pass interference call down there inside the 10 and set small up with a chip shot. But you talk about total plays, uh, very much in Alabama's favor in the game. Uh, just about every area you want to look at. Time of possession, that's a big-time stats. Stat is for a loser, right? 33 and a half minutes of the football in possession of Alabama. Just 26-13 for A&M. But uh, you know what? When you have the red zone type of issues that Alabama had in this game, you kick two red zone field goals, you throw a red zone interception, And you have a sequence there in a couple of those red zone trips where Brian Robinson might very well be your best offensive player right now. As the game played out Saturday night, it felt more and more like that, didn't it? That Brian Robinson was the guy you wanted touching the football. Well, you had six snaps from inside the A&M five there in the fourth quarter. And, uh, well, not in the fourth quarter, on the the one uh, field goal drive. Earlier, though, you had... Three snaps from inside the five. The third one, Bryce throws the interception there. And then also in the fourth quarter, you have three snaps from inside the five. You throw it three straight times. Um, You know, Bryce, uh, excuse me, Brian did have a couple of carries on that first trip inside the five. It's a situation that could have killed Alabama. Same type of situation at Florida a couple of three weeks ago. 
inside the Florida five. Couldn't finish that drive with a touchdown. That would essentially have ended the game. And so red zone issues, red zone turnovers, if you are a proponent of analytics, sometimes I think, uh, again, especially in a close game, you can be supported in that. Um, you know, offensively for Alabama, pretty disjointed performance. Pressure was a big problem throughout the game. Um, you knew that A&M with DeMarvin Leal and Michael Clemens and some of these guys that are either very talented and or experienced like Michael Clemens. Michael Clemens is a six-year guy, and I wrote about a lot of these guys in three matchups. And in just about every one of the matchups, A&M, ended up having the advantage, even though I gave Alabama the advantage, like like Bryce Young going against those A&M safeties. Although I thought Bryce, when it was all said and done, with 369 passing yards, three touchdowns, he did again have the big red zone uh, interception there in the second quarter. But, uh, you know, I think there's plenty to go around. And, and again, while not devaluing the performance by A&M in the process, uh, certainly Alabama with mistakes, not only in terms of players. I thought coaching, um, it, it just seemed like there were times where things were working and maybe Alabama got away from them a little bit. And I'm not putting that all on Bill O'Brien because I think there's a lot that's put on the quarterback in this offense, even if he is just a second-year player. The RPO game comes to mind pretty quickly. You know, Decisions have to be made by the quarterback at the line of scrimmage, uh, once the ball is snapped, and Bryce still developing in some ways. And I'd say the RPO game might be the area where that's the biggest case. But, again, A&M just had an answer, too, for just about everything Alabama threw at them. Never was that more true than after the block punt there early in the third quarter. In the third quarter, you get the block punt. Ja'Cory Brooks with the block. King Wakuda with the recovery for the touchdown. And you, know, you feel like you're pretty much cooking with gas at that point. Kick the ball off. And Devon A-Chain takes it 96 yards right back up. You know what? For the touchdown to push it back out to 14. Just felt like a game where Alabama just the whole game playing uphill. And still took the lead. Took the lead at 38-31. Had the opportunity with a veteran defense. With a lot of guys on the field that have played a lot of football, a lot of football together, couldn't get off the field. And it started with a kickoff out of bounds. And you've heard me talk about that. It's probably the one penalty in football I dislike the most because, it, to me, it just should not ever happen. But it happened for both teams in this game. A&M had a kickoff go out of bounds. Will Reichard has had a couple of these this season. Uh, the latest one there in the fourth quarter after Alabama had taken the 38-31 lead, I believe it was. And, again, so if you want to talk offensive shortcomings, you want to talk defensive shortcomings, you want to talk special team shortcomings, it's all there. It's all on the table for you in A&M's 41-38 victory over the Crimson Tide. And, again, A&M answered just about every time Alabama hit the Aggies with something. And it kind of started early in the game. You know, this was a crowd that if Alabama gets off to its typical fast start, you would think the A&M crowd would sort of sag because, again, this was an A&M team coming off two straight losses. And it sort of had that feeling until the missed exchange by Robinson and Bryce Young there. Uh, what was that, first quarter? Maybe the second quarter. Um, Alabama had 
just this, what, 45-game winning streak in games in which it scored a touchdown on its opening possession. So that one went by the board tonight as well as far as streaks go, along with the uh, wins over assistant coaches for Nick Saban at 24. So had a chance to kind of really shut that place down, let it get off the hook. The next thing you know, it's a 17-7 to Texas A&M lead, and you're again you're playing uphill the rest of the game until you finally get over the hump in the fourth quarter, and you kind of trust. I don't know if you fully trust this Alabama defense uh, in any one area at this point, but you're thinking with the way the second half had gone, Alabama would eventually do enough to get off the field. But you know when you don't have success rushing the passer, and it didn't seem to matter tonight whether it was with a three-man rush, a four-man rush, Alabama bringing extra guys, uh, just not much in the way of, of pass rush. Uh, not getting home, that's for sure. In fact, Alabama, according to the stat broadcast stats anyway, zero quarterback hurries in the game, zero sacks. You know, that's kind of hard to do, especially against an offensive line. Another area, give AM credit. AM tonight starting a true freshman center, a true freshman right tackle. And you go without a quarterback hurry, at least statistically. Now, Alabama may get back and grade the film and say, oh, we had four or five quarterback hurries. Um, but the sacks were zero. And then you look at A&M, their pressures were getting home, especially in the first half. Four sacks for A&M, uh, five quarterback hurries the Aggies were credited with by the home team stat crew so you got to keep that in mind but your eyes told you the Alabama pass rush wasn't good enough Um, in the first half it was mistake upon mistake by the defensive side of the football Uh, you had guys in wrong gaps again it looked like it looked like Florida in a lot of ways not that A&M ran the hell out of the ball like Florida did because the Aggies finished short of 100 yards rushing in the game so but I thought A&M still between throwing it to the backs um, and also Jalen Weidermeyer early in the game, the tight end that we talked about a lot throughout the week, really hurt the Alabama defense. It, it seemed as if Jimbo kind of taking a page from Lane and some other guys and even Florida a few weeks ago. Man, once the book gets out on you, it's tough because once opposing offensive coordinators, head coaches, you name it, see something that they feel like they can attack, they're going to keep doing it. And it felt like, once again, A&M, in this particular instance, was intent on matchups, on safeties, and linebackers. Not that Alabama's corners were perfect, uh, but again, right up the middle of the defense. Alabama up front, opposing offensive coordinators, opposing offenses, they're not afraid to stick with the run game, even if it doesn't work early because at some point they feel like they're going to find success with some aspect of it. You know, there were times with Deron Payne and Quinnen Williams where you'd see teams try to run it for maybe a series or two, and then it was like, ah, hell, we got to throw the football around. Not with this Alabama defense. So it's it's at pretty much every level, but it feels like more – Often than not, it's through the interior of the Alabama defense uh, where the matchups look to be highlighted. So Alabama, first loss of the season. Season is not over. Still have their destiny very much in their own paws. Um, Need to keep winning. Need to start winning, I guess you got to say, from this point forward. 
try to get to Atlanta and see what happens. But this is an Alabama team right now I don't think can look past even Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State went into A&M last Saturday night and actually won and uh, looked pretty good in doing it. So the trip to Starkville next Saturday has gotten very interesting. And even Tennessee a couple weeks down the road. The Vols look like they've sort of found some things on the offensive side of the ball. Had an outburst against Missouri last week. Kind of wrote that off as Missouri's defense just being really, really bad. But then to follow that up with another strong performance today against a a better opponent, defensively at least, in South Carolina. rest of October just got a lot more interesting. What do you got for me, gang? Logan, how you doing this evening? What do you got? Yeah, they, that's the tough thing about bringing middle pressure against a team like A&M. They have an eraser in Jalen Weidermeyer at the tight end position. Um, there was a point even in the fourth quarter where I want to say A&M's wide receivers only had like nine touches in the game. Not that A&M had rolled up a huge number of plays because we talked about earlier. Um, you were thinking that uh, – yeah, that that with 58 plays, you know, it's tough to get a lot of guys a lot of touches, I guess is what I'm saying. But a lot of touches uh, to Weidermeyer in the backs, no doubt about it. Yeah, Terry, I mean, going undefeated is very, very tough. Very tough. You're right. Before last season, the 2009 Alabama team um, was uh, the last team to do it. Not easy to do. And more often than not, when you really think about it, it's the SEC West uh, that does the does the deal. Now you play more games, obviously, against the SEC West. But uh, you know, A and M, LSU, Auburn. Um, you know, that was a long win streak for Alabama over A and M that went by the boards uh, tonight too. But some things that Alabama had really utilized as a, a staple of the offense throughout the years, um, like running the football. Uh, Alabama had a streak in the first 13 games of the series of a rushing touchdown in every one of those games. That ended tonight. No rushing touchdowns for Alabama in the game. I agree, Wayne. I said it earlier. I thought Texas A&M, you got to give the Aggies a lot of credit. This is why you pay Jimbo $7.5 million a year initially. Now, I think you gave him the raise to nine to beat everybody. But you did pay him seven and a half to beat Alabama. So maybe the Aggies got their money's worth with this one. It was tough, D. You know, Chris Owens had his struggles. As I said earlier, Michael Clemens is a six-year guy, talented guy, has some speed to his rush, has some length to his rush. Um, Formationally, it was sort of a 180 from last week. Now, defenses give you different things. And, you know, Ole Miss with that sort of 3-2-6 or whatever it is, the Rebels play, they're kind of asking you to go bigger personnel, tighter formations, uh, 12 personnel, two tight ends, and, you know, run the football. Uh, Alabama was more back towards, whereas there was 12 personnel, it was a lot of Jalil Billingsley and Cameron Latou tonight. You didn't really see a lot of Kendall Randolph. So, you know, in the kicking game, we won't talk about it enough, but the kickoff return right after the block punt for the touchdown, that's huge. And, you know, if you want to talk about 
some strategic decisions that were interesting. I certainly thought Nick Saban not using any of his three tight end, uh, timeouts right before the end of the half there. Although Alabama was getting the ball coming out, you know, it still was interesting to me. And I understand in a lot of those situations, we've seen Nick Saban not use the timeouts going into the half. But we haven't seen Nick Saban in a lot of situations where he's down 14 in the second quarter and he's got an opponent backed up with the opportunity to utilize him in that situation. More often than not, he's up 14 and he can just go to the half. But I felt like at the time I posted it in the roundtable thread, you know, if this ends up being a one-possession game, that could end up being pretty big. Now, we'll never know. You know, I felt like Jimbo at that point with a 14-point lead was going to try to run it three times, maybe throw it on third down. He was just trying to get to the half. Uh, now, he was aggressive at the end of the game. Uh, I think he felt like he had to be. But ultimately, we can talk about that situation at the end of the first half. Alabama still had a seven-point lead late in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to close out the game and had dominated defensively for the better part of a quarter and a half in the second half. And for whatever reason, it all came undone once again. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah, you know, Rod, uh, we didn't really see Trey Sanders, at least on offense. Um, you know, I, I think part of it may be Trey still getting back to full go in terms of how they can utilize him uh, on a down-by-down basis. Uh, he also has put the ball on the ground uh, a couple weeks back, but I don't think running back play really was an issue tonight. I mean, Brian was great once again, 24 carries, 147, 6.1 per carry. Roy Dell did some good things. Uh, he had the touchdown catch there uh, to kind of get Alabama going. Alabama, I thought, early in the game anyway, did a good job of, getting the ball to the backs and to the perimeter receivers. 
out on the flanks and letting them do some things after the catch. Kind of wondered where some of that went once the protection issue showed up and couldn't really deal with the pressure. It just sort of felt like uh, there were some blitz beaters that might be in play with backs and or tight ends. And, you know, it wasn't the best night for Jalil Billingsley either. He had a big drop there late in the game. Initial thought on that play was that the ball was low, but that was a catchable ball. And, you know, Jalil's got to catch that ball. And he was targeted um, he was targeted plenty in the game, and uh, I don't see him here with a reception. You know, he was targeted on the interception in the end zone. Um, there was another near interception uh, for Texas A&M in, in a similar situation there in the fourth quarter. Jamison Williams was really good again, 10 for 146, two touchdowns. I thought John Mechie did some good things too, may have had a drop. Uh, 14 targets for John Mechie tonight, seven catches, 88 yards. Brian Good is a receiver, four for 60 with a long of 29. So, again, as I said at the outset of the podcast, I guess that was the surprise to me in a couple of those inside the five situations that maybe Brian didn't touch the ball even more uh, in some of those situations, even if you're throwing it to him. not blaming it on any one play, Kim. Not at all. Uh, But there were certainly important plays down the stretch where you anticipate guys that you've seen make those plays make them in every phase of the game. You expect to see Will Riker kick the ball in bounds. You expect to see Jalil Billingsley come up with a ball uh, that's a little low but certainly catchable. Um, You expect Alabama's defense, especially as much as those guys have in snap experience, Um, to be a little bit more of a factor than they were down the stretch. Yeah, I don't know, Trey. We we saw Bryce do some things. Um, I think he had a career-long run tonight. What was it, a 15-yarder that he had? Um, But, again, anytime Alabama went empty in this game, I cringed because – They were just not in sync enough, whether it was protection, whether it was Bryce, whether it was the play call having something hot that Bryce could turn to very quickly. Uh, Whenever they tried to go empty, it it just seemed cringeworthy. And so if the ball didn't come out hot, against a team like Texas A&M, against a defensive front like Texas A&M and those linebackers and their safeties that they will blitz, um, it can be tough. And we can say all this, and again, you know, it came down to situational football in a lot of ways, you know, right? I mean, it came down to, in a lot of ways, it came down to red zone and, you know, cashing in on those opportunities. You look at Alabama, Alabama's five of, Five of six in the red zone, but that one non-conversion, that's an interception in the red zone. So that's no points, not even a chip shot field goal in that situation. And then a couple of other conversions, a couple of the conversions were chip shot field goals where they didn't get in the end zone. And look, they still scored 38 points. Now, seven of those came off of special teams, but um, still had every opportunity in the fourth quarter to win the game. Yeah, 
Kim's not happy about the red zone offense. Jeff, this defensive line, this front, we talked about it before. They're really solid, I think. Um, but there is an award daddy. I uh, said this earlier kind of in the podcast. There, there's just not a war daddy type that's going to, you know, do things either. You've got, you've got an edge guy. And Will Anderson. And I, I didn't think Dallas Turner was bad tonight, having to step in for Drew Sanders, by the way. Pretty commendable job for him. But it's more guys that have been around for a while that sometimes you're, wow. And it, it does seem like the book is out on Alabama's pressures because, again, even for an offensive line with two true freshmen, they seem to, to have Alabama's pressures in their back pocket, you know. And then, you know, mistakes are a big part of it. We've talked about it a ton. I mean, you turn it over a couple times, and um, especially in the red zone, and then you also turned it in, the, turned it over, though, right out inside your side of, of midfield. Um, those typically come back to haunt you. I'm not going to get on Will Anderson too much, guys. Um He's been so good to this point. But, you know, I will say this. Ruben Fatherly, the true freshman right tackle, did a nice job tonight. He really did. Watching him last week against Mississippi State, I mean, on the opening snap of the game. And maybe that was a problem for Alabama in this one, too. Maybe they saw the same tape I saw. Because what I saw last week was a real opportunity for not only Will Anderson, but this defensive front seven in general to rack up the negative plays, and it just did not happen that way. You know, not only zero sacks in the game for Alabama and zero quarterback hurries, according to stat broadcast anyway, but just four tackles for loss. Brian Branch had two of those. So when you talk about when you talk about front seven guys and TFLs tonight, it was Tim Smith with one and the true freshman, Dallas Turner. With one, otherwise, uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, you know long distance situations that Alabama was re- was creating via negative plays. I don't know if it was Jimbo's defensive plan. Jimbo gets credit for the win, but Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator uh, for Texas A and M. He wasn't going to leave anything in the bag, it doesn't seem like. He was intent on bringing pressure, and it worked. And especially when you consider, too, Jace McClellan not being available. Jace in passing situations, maybe not their best blitz pickup guy, but he's not far off from Brian. So when you go from Brian to the third guy, uh, and you saw one of the sacks on Bryce at least, not blaming Roydell, but he was in the game. It looked like maybe there was a little bit of a mix-up for the left side of the offensive line on who to take there. And Roydell got into a tough situation with Tyree Johnson, who's you know a 245-pound weak side defensive end. So this isn't to throw Roydell under the bus, but you know, and also what Jace gives you as a receiver. I thought Bryce really covered for that, and so did Roydell. I mean, Roydell had the big catch for the touchdown there in the first quarter. So um, he picked up the slack a little bit with that 
20 yarder. No, I mean, I don't know to what extent Trey Sanders is available, but he dressed. I saw him on kickoff coverage. Um, so it's just the offense where he isn't really helping that much. All right, gang, it is late night. I've got to get back to writing. Michelle, it's a good point about Malachi. It happens so early in the game, you tend to forget about it, but um, that was a big play. I know that Brian gave up the touchdown catch to Anaya Smith to tie it, but Anaya Smith, going into this game, it was it was bizarre to see his numbers where they are because he's too good. And some of that, I'm sure, had been impacted by the quarterback situation and the development of Calzada. But Anaya showed you on that little kind of slot fade against Brian Branch that you get him matched up on star defensive backs, and maybe Malachi would have been tougher to beat there. Uh, There's a reason why he's, right now anyway, the top guy. But we've seen Brian and Malachi basically co-starters in that star position. So even when Malachi went out, you still felt pretty good about Brian Branch in the game. But uh, late in the game, uh, I thought not only on the touchdown, but also I think on the the game-winning drive, you saw Calzada stick with uh, Anaya Smith in some big situations. And again, up to that point, up to Anaya's Smith's touchdown catch there late in the fourth quarter, it had been just about all about running backs and Jalen Weidermeyer in terms of focal points for that A&M offense. Got to get back on the horse. You guys got Mississippi State next week in Starkville. That's going to be another primetime kickoff. So, wow. Even in defeat, going to be a ton of Alabama talk. This week, and we're certainly going to have you covered at BamaOnline.com. Jalil Skinner, you did get a big commitment on Friday from the nation's top tight end prospect out of IMG. So we've got coverage of that for you at the website. And we're going to continue to cover this uh, aftermath of Alabama, Texas A&M, College Station. Charlie Potter in College Station, he's got us covered out there and We'll certainly keep you up to speed as best we can at the website. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice, right there at BOL. And if you missed any or even all of this podcast, this edition of Instant Analysis, it will upload at the Bama Online Podcast. We'll have it right there for you, for your listening pleasure or displeasure, given the uh, events of Saturday night out in the state of Texas. Take care, everybody. Travis Ryder thanking you once again for joining us right here on Instant Analysis. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.